Genesis chapter 4. I once read that the murder rate in the United States is more than one per hour every day of the year. In all the world's uh, wars in the nation's history, 530,000 United States combatants have been killed, but since 1900, there have been more than 800,000 murders. One study found that a baby born in one of America's 50 largest cities has almost a 2% chance of being murdered in his lifetime. One instructor in applied mathematics at Massachusetts Institute of Technology said that his study showed that a baby born in the 1970s was more likely to be murdered than an American soldier in World War II was to die in combat. And the oldest record of a murder trial dates back nearly 4,000 years ago. There was a two, I think two foot by four foot tablet found in Iraq in 1950 that describes how three men uh, killed another man. And they were brought before the king. The three men, along with the victim's wife, were tried for murder. The wife was declared innocent, but the three men were executed. Now, the first record of a murder is found in Genesis chapter 4. Perhaps you could say the first homicide in the history, and it was a twin murder. Uh, The first murder that ever occurred was that of a brother. It's been suggested. I'm saying this is suggested. I don't have any proof for this, but a suggestion that Cain and Abel were twins. If you look at chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So you have one conception, but you have two births. So that's just a suggestion. It's not proven. It's not uh, something that we're, you know, even as I look at, uh, uh, I think I was reading in my uh, chronological Bible, it suggested the uh, there that uh, Cain was born one year and a year later Abel was born. I don't know. But here we find, what, as we read in the Bible, one conception and then it was two births. So it very well could be, possibly, maybe, we'll find out in heaven, but they could be twins. Uh, society today has a very confused outlook on children. Uh, can you think of anything more disgusting than a person who would perhaps, uh, as we could say, sexually molest a child? And isn't it interesting that we lock up a child molester and we register sex offenders and yet allow women to kill their babies in abortion clinics. Many people today look upon children as a burden, not a blessing. And how tragic for both the child and the parent. Eve gave birth to a baby boy and his name gave his name to him and it was Cain. Now the name Cain, Cain's name, means acquired of Jehovah. It demonstrates to us that Eve knew her son was from the Lord. Eve looks upon Cain as a blessing, but her attitude changes in the birth of Abel. She may have looked upon her children as a burden at birth, and the Hebrew word for Abel means emptiness, vanity, unsatisfactory. 
She knows a little disappointment and frustration in giving him his name. And perhaps if they were twins, that may explain that bit of information and that frustration. I don't know. But what do you do when you get frustrated? Anybody here get frustrated? Ever get frustrated? What should you do to keep from getting frustrated? Let me this this is free, okay? What should a person do if they're full of frustration right now? Well, my best advice to you would be to turn to Psalm 37 and use Psalm 37 as a formula for dealing with frustration. In verse 1 it says what? Fret not. In verse 2 or verse 3, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. In verse 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. In verse 5, it says, commit your way into the Lord. In verse 7, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In verse 8, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. And then you find as you go down to the chapter a little ways to verse 23, it says you need to realize the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, those are some good things to do if you become frustrated. Turn to Psalm 37 and begin to meditate at least on those first seven verses. And you see, the story of Cain and Abel is not only a story of murder, but it's a story of anger. And we see in verse 5, Cain was wroth. It says there in verse 5, But Cain, unto Cain and his offering, he did not respect, and Cain was very wroth. He was angry. The word wroth carries the idea of burning. Now, psychologists tell us there are several stages and phases of anger. There's Mild irritation, there's indignation, there's wrath, there's fury, and then there's rage. It's very interesting as talking about psychologists. I came across an article I just couldn't help but uh, share with you. It's entitled Oppositional Defiant Disorder. In other words, ODD. A pattern of disobedient, hostile, and defiant behavior toward authority figures according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The symptoms include the following. Actively does not follow adults' requests. Angry and resentful of others. Argues with adults. Blames others for their own mistake. In constant trouble in school. Loses temper. Spiteful. Seeks revenge. Touchy or easily annoyed. Sounds like a whole lot of my students when I was teaching School. Recommended treatment includes psychotherapy and medication. A good case of ODD might lead to IED. Intermittent explosive disorder. Boy, you don't want to have IED. You might see someone explode. Which according to the Mayo Clinic's website is characterized by repeated Episodes of aggressive, violent behavior in which you react grossly out of proportion to the situation. We're told that with IED, many attack others in their possessions, causing bodily injury and property damage. One uh, child psychologist 
says that over the past two years, she's diagnosed more uh, children with ODD and conduct disorders than autism, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, or anxiety. They're always, uh, they're also walking IEDs, they, she said. Looking back on, you know, our childhood, I would think ODD describes a lot of my schoolmates, a lot of my students. And we're told that these schoolmates or these students that we had are rebels and juvenile delinquents. And what, we, uh, what were we told at that time? We were told to repent. And some of us did that. You know, if you're a sinner, you can find salvation and you can change. But if you're disordered, well, there's no guarantee of healing. Some respond to treatment, others do not, you know. And what a foolish age we live in. I don't have any doubt that there are people that have these problems. But what are the solutions? Psychotherapy and medication. All right here's the solution. The word Roth here in verse 5 describes the psychologist's last stage. Cain was filled with rage. We read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. John tells us that Cain slew his brother. Now we also read here in Genesis chapter 4, and verse 8, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. That word slew gives us an interesting insight into the murder of Abel by Cain. In both instances, the word describes a violent death. It literally means to butcher or to kill a person by cutting their throat. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible murder. There was a day when these two brothers were in the field and in a state of rage, Cain violently, brutally murdered his brother, no doubt cutting his throat, unmercifully butchering him. Now I want us to consider this murder, this twin murder, if you please, and glean some lessons for all of us. First of all, notice the cause the cause of Cain's anger. What was the seedbed for Cain's anger? What causes anger to develop in our lives? One day a man walked into the drugstore and he said to the druggist, I came in to get some more pills for my wife's colitis. His little boy was with him. He looked up and said, Dad, who has mom been colliding with now? You see, our colliding with others is often caused by certain things in our hearts and our lives. We, have, uh, we will collide with people. Notice the spirit of Cain and the breeding ground for his anger. First of all, we see that his anger grew from a spirit of rebellion. A spirit of rebellion. Notice verse 3 
through 5. And it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he did not have had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We see Cain and Abel bringing an offering to the Lord. And how did they know that they were to bring an offering to the Lord? I believe, no doubt, mom and dad, and even God himself, had taught them. But notice carefully that each brother brought a different kind of offering. Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground. Abel brought an offering of the firstlings of the flock. The offering of Abel was received by God and the offering of Cain was rejected. Why? The offering of Cain was one of the works of his hands. He had plowed the ground, he had planted the seed, and he had picked the fruit. The offering of Abel Abel involved the shedding of blood and the giving of an innocent life for a guilty life. Now I would think that if they had been taught They ought to bring an offering to God. They were also taught of what kind of offering to bring. Why did Cain bring the kind of offering he did? Well, again, we read in 1 John 3, 12, it says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. All Cain did was out of his evil, the evilness of his heart. He possessed a heart of rebellion. He, to put it very simply, Cain was not right with God. His anger grew from a spirit of rebellion. And that's uh, where anger comes from. Anger grows from a heart that is not right with God. You know, we've often heard it said that if a man is not right with his brother, then he's not right with God. Well, may I say that if you're not right with, uh, if we are not right with our brother, it's because we're not right with God. When a man is right with God, it greatly alters and affects the way we behave. Our behavior is often a mirror of our heart. Oh, we often excuse it by saying, that's just the way we are. You know, that's just my nature. That's just, the, that's the way I'm made. But the truth is, when a man is right with God, he doesn't behave his normal self, but he behaves in a godly fashion. Is that not a chief component of Christianity? That we are enabled to live differently? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're able to live differently because we are right with God. A man right with God is marked uh, by by a spirit of reformation, not rebellion. Cain's anger revealed a heart not right with God. Now look at verses 5 through 7. But unto Cain and to his offering he did not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and shalt thou rule over him. First of all, God gave Cain a word of welcome. He told him that he, if he would bring the right kind of offering, he would be accepted. But then God gave him a word of warning. God said if he didn't bring the right kind of offering... He doeth not well, and sin lieth at the door. 
I want you to notice that word lieth. The word lieth is a picture of a lion ready to pounce on its prey. God was warning him of the danger of not being right with him. And yet we don't read anywhere that Cain ever made it right. He possessed a spirit of rebellion. We also see, secondly, that his anger grew from a spirit of resentment. A spirit of resentment. The spirit of resentment is so obvious in Cain's life. He deeply resented the fact that God had accepted his brother's offering and rejected his. It ate at him. It gnawed in his gut day after day. The spirit of resentment is a breeding ground for anger. Someone doesn't get their way, doesn't get a certain job or position, and it's resented. I've seen it in churches more than once. Someone didn't get to serve in a certain position. They didn't get to sing a song or they didn't get to do what they wanted to do and they held it against someone for a long time. They felt like they should have gotten to do it and they become resentful and it begins to breed anger and hostility and bitterness. The Texas Bar Journal included an account of a very interesting case taken from a trial transcript. This is what this actual trial said. I'm not making this up, okay? It said, the court said this. Next witness, Miss Oshlander. Your Honor, at this time, I would like to swat Mr. Buck in the head with the client's disposition. The court, you mean read it? Miss Oshlander. No, I meant swat him in the head with it. Pursuant to Rule 32, I may use this this disposition for any purpose, and that is the purpose for which I want to use it. The court. Well, it does say that. And there is no objection, so you may proceed. Miss Oshlander. Thank you, Judge Haynes. Whereupon she swatted Mr. Buck in the head with the disposition. Mr. Buck said, but judge. The court said, next witness. Mr. Buck. We object. The court overruled. Next witness. You know what? Resentment's kind of like that. You just want to swat somebody in the head. It paves the way for behavior that's inappropriate. I'm not condoning swatting people in the head, okay? But that's what resentment does. It just wants to make you slap them on the back of the head. We also see that his anger grew from a spirit of rejection, a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of resentment. Thirdly, a spirit of rejection. Cain's offering was rejected by God. This obviously angered Cain and led his, to his actions involving his brother. How often we let our action, the actions of others become the breeding ground for anger. What others do often ignites within us a feeling of anger, of hostility, of rage. I read about a judge uh, by the name of John Weeks. During court one day, he noticed a man was sitting in the courtroom wearing a hat. Disturbed and angered for this disregard for court decorum, his anger, in his anger, the judge ordered the man to leave the courtroom. A little later, the clerk called for the burglar case of George uh, Roger, who had been free on bond. Roger didn't come forward. Prosecuting attorney stood up and said, Your Honor, that's the man you ordered from the courtroom. You see, what others do and say often breeds anger in our hearts. We, we get angry and we say things we shouldn't say. 
because there's there's rebellion, there's resentment, and and eventually there's rejection. And so I want you to notice with me not only uh, the cause the cause for Cain's anger, but secondly the characteristics of Cain's anger. Notice in verse 8 again, it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in a field that Cain arose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Now we don't know how much time passed from the incident concerning the offerings. Apparently several days passed by, maybe months, even years possibly. But the thing began to eat at the soul of Cain until one day it manifested itself in a tragic way. Notice, first of all, a violent explosion of anger. The violent explosion of his anger. He slew his brother. In a moment of rage, he brutally murdered his twin brother. Some years back in Los Angeles, a father drowned his four children, later admitted that he did it in a moment of rage. Cain's anger simmered in his heart day after day until one day it boiled over and exploded. And anger and rage have a way of making us behave in such contrary ways. It causes us to act in a total opposition of the character we wish or we need or we ought to display. How often in a moment of rage we've done things and said things that were wrong. And when we become Extremely angry, we lose all common sense. We lose all morals. We think only of our feelings and our wants. In Cain's case, it was not that he what was he was eating, but what was eating him. It ate him and ate him until he exploded. Someone wrote, "The man I ate hounds me whatever wherever I go. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind." When the waiter serves me porterhouse steak with French fries, asparagus, crisp salad, and strawberry shortcake smothered with ice cream, it might as well be stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy it. I wonder, is there something that someone has done or said that hounds you every day? Everywhere you go, every day you live? Now that's an awful way to live. And furthermore, it's a dangerous way to live. Sooner or later, the feelings will come to the surface. And when they surface, they burst forth with rage. I think it was Booker T. Washington that said, once said, I will not let any man reduce my soul to the level of hatred. All too often, we let what happens reduce our soul to a level of hatred. And what happens when we reach that point is often devastating. Notice, secondly, there was not only a violent explosion here, but a vain excuse, the vain excuse of his anger. In verse 9, we read, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? It is like Abel is trying to excuse, or Cain is trying to excuse his personal responsibility and his relationship with his brother. He said, why are you asking me? I'm not my brother's keeper. Instead of being his brother's keeper, he was his brother's murderer. And that he couldn't deny or excuse. And we often try to excuse our anger. But I don't care how you look at it, how you condone it, or how you explain it, it is inexcusable. There's no excuse for such behavior, no matter what 
the reason. It is sin. Some might say, well, that's just the way I am. I'm kind of an in-your-face type of guy, you know? Well, let me say, that's not the way we should be. You say, but you don't understand what he or she did or said to me. Yes, I do understand, but that doesn't make an excuse for your behavior. Two wrongs don't make a right. And then notice the consequences of Cain's anger. The consequences. We read down in verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. I read a story of a man who once gave an account of a trip to the Yellowstone Park and visit to the place where the grizzly bears were were fed. He did not have to wait very long before a grizzly bear came into the clearing where the garbage had been dumped to entice him. Uh, We call that beer, beer baiting, bear baiting around here. The guide told the group that the grizzly bear would whip any animal in the West with possible exceptions of a buffalo or a Kodiak bear. That night, as the man sat with the other tourists there in the bleachers, he noticed that there was only one animal the grizzly would allow to eat with him. What animal would that be? A skunk. A skunk. It was obvious that the bear resented the skunk, and he yearned to get even uh, for his brazen brazen impudence, but he didn't. Why? Because he knew there was a high cost of getting even. Cain's anger and rage was not without a high cost. I want you to notice the consequences. First, we see the unrecoverable. The unrecoverable. Go back to verse 10. It says, And he said, What what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. He had murdered his brother. He had taken away his brother's life. His brother was gone forever. He had taken away the one thing that Abel had that when lost could not be recovered. Someone has said, speak when you're angry and you'll deliver the best speech you ever regret. When we explode in a rage, we often say and we often do what is unrecoverable. We can cry and we can apologize, but we can't undo what we said. Many a testimony and reputation has been taken 30 years to build, has been lost in 30 seconds. Someone once said, the first scoundrel that gets me angry will kill me. Cain only, not only killed his brother, but he killed himself in many ways. He became a living dead man. He, there was the unrecoverable. Secondly, there was the unenjoyable. The unenjoyable. Notice the words of verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. This was what brought him joy and satisfaction. But God told him that he would be a miserable man the rest of his life. Instead of living a settled, a contented life, he would be a fugitive and a vagabond. Now, both of those words speak of wandering, someone for which to feel sorry for. 
And then notice verse 13 and 14. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Cain could live the balance of his life restless and wandering and haunted constantly with the fear that someone would slay him. Anger robs us of peace and joy. It, feel, it, it feels the heart, or fills the heart, excuse me, it fills the heart with anxiety and bitterness. It poisons the soul. Notice verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. What is even worse, he was cut off from the presence of God. Instead of Dwelling in the presence of God, he dwelt in Nod. He was a wanderer. Anger robs us from enjoying the presence of the Lord. We all need to ask ourselves if consequences of our anger and revenge are worth it. How do we deal with anger? Now, I told you a little while ago how to deal with frustration. Go to Psalm 37. But how do you deal with anger? And let me just in closing give you quickly 10 practical words or principles that will help us deal with anger. First of all, ignore petty disagreements. Ignore petty disagreements. Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Ignore those petty disagreements. Don't let them build up into big things. Ignore them. Number two, identify anger-prone people. Identify them. Once you've identified them, don't hang around with them. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. And I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, it says, Evil communication corrupt good manners. Identify the anger-prone people and then don't be hanging out with them. Thirdly, impede, impede your Tongue when angry. Proverbs 15 and verse 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 21, 23, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Number four, interchange feelings of honesty, love, and openness. Don't let your anger build up and explode. Interchange feelings of honesty, love, and openness. Keep communication lines open. Talk problems out before your anger gets, into, under, uh, gets out of control. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. When a man's temper gets the best of him, it reveals the worst in him. Number five, investigate all the facts before reacting. Investigate all the facts. James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
Ecclesiastes 7.9 Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Number six, include stress vitamin supplements. Now, before you get carried away here, I don't have any scripture for this, all right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not even a nurse. But I've read that if you include vitamin B and C and stay off high amounts of sugar, boy, that uh, dessert table, we should, didn't help our anger problems, did it? We stay off high amounts of sugar. This will help in anger management. I said help. I didn't say cure. I just said help, okay? I believe it's more of a spiritual problem than it is a physical problem. But I think it's good to include here. Include stress, vitamin, supplements. Number seven, impart and surrender your rights to God. Impart and surrender your rights to God. We get angry when we feel our rights have been stepped on or abused. Give your rights to God. Number eight, intercept your anger before the sun goes down. Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Psalm 37, after you've meditated on verse seven verse, verses, then go to verse eight, where it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Number nine, intercede and pray for others. You know, it's really hard to be upset and angry with someone if you pray for them. That is, if you pray in the will of God for them. Now, you can pray that God would bring hellfire and, and, you know, knock them off the face of the earth. And I don't think that's praying in the will of God. That's not loving. That's not kind nor, nor compassionate. But you pray for those who offend you and anger you. It's hard to pray or hard to be angry at someone you're praying for. Romans 12, 14 says, bless them that persecute you, bless and curse not. And then number 10, incite not your children to wrath incite not your children to wrath incite is another word for provoke colossians 3:21 fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged ephesians 4, 6 4 and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord now perhaps you notice something about each one of these principles they all started with the letter i That's the problem with anger, right there. It's that capital letter I. Saying, you make me so angry. That isn't a reason for our anger. The Bible has the best anger management plan there is. You know, sometimes people have to go under anger management uh, uh, because that's what they've been ordered by the courts. Do you know what the best plan is? It's right here in God's word. I trust that we'll take to heart these principles and meditate on the scriptures and we might honor the Lord with our lives. You know, we sang just a little while ago that song, Others. Lord, help me live for others. And when we're living with that kind of thinking in mind, it's pretty hard, again, to be angry with someone. 
And so I trust that even from this terrible, terrible thing that happened with Cain and Abel, this first homicide, that even through that we can learn some lessons that can help us. Ignore petty disagreements, identify prone anger-prone people, impede your tongue with when angry, interchange feelings of honesty and love and openness, investigate all the facts before reacting, include stress, vitamin supplements, import, impart and surrender your rights to God, intercept your anger before the sun goes down, intercede and pray for others, and incite not your children to wrath. May God help us uh, in this day uh, with these, these lessons from his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that even on this terrible, tragic incident that's recorded here in Genesis chapter 1, that we can learn some valuable lessons for our own lives. And Lord, as we stop and and think about our lives and and even uh, the kind of reactions that we many times have uh, in life to what's going on, we pray, Lord, that our focus and our single minded devotion will be upon the Lord Jesus Christ and our efforts will be to please him and to uh, to to please you and to do all that we can to honor and glorify your name even as we think about uh, coming to this table this afternoon the Lord's table and remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary's cross uh, many times we've feel like we're in our right to be angry at people. Even as the mob was angry at Jesus Christ and they, they killed him on that cross. We're thankful for that death, but yet, Lord, the anger is inexcusable. And if we are your children, it's inexcusable in our lives as well. We pray, Lord, our lives are honest and pure before you this afternoon as we come to this table that we don't come uh, with sin in our lives, but we come with hearts that are desiring to please you and to honor you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.